0: Post Void Post. Today is April 7th, 2022, and uh, most likely this episode is going to be another one where um, I'll uh, create it throughout the week because um it has to do with a book I've been um listening to. I can't say. I've been reading it. I mean, you know, come on now. We only have so much time throughout the day. Audiobooks work for me like podcasts. I can do it while I do other things. <laughs> But, uh, nevertheless, I pay attention, stop, and repeat a lot of, um, things that I hear in books that I, or books that I listen to now. <laughs> and, um, well, uh, a- anyone who has been listening to me for a extended period of time would know that I have brought up this book more than once, and I admittedly have never read it. I'm starting to read it, and, <sighs> Whoa, boy. Yeah. Um, It it certainly can make an episode. So, yeah. To start off, recent news. Um, How about Elon Musk buying out Twitter? That's kind of funny, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the slap or fuck anything like that. You know, um, I, I, you know, yeah, you could say that's distraction news too, I guess, which it is. I mean, Elon Musk is a piece of shit. That guy's a, his family's a bunch of emerald, um, emerald miners from South Africa, apartheid emerald miners. And this guy's walking around with a freaking bandana trying to pretend he's some sort of ANCAP. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, Elon Musk is, uh... Um, a, uh, a, a robber baron, a 21st century robber baron. Yes. Um, very similar to Jeff Bezos and the rest of them. Um, also he is not a rags to riches person too. So, but just this, um, there is, there is a basis to what I'm talking about here with that. If anything, Elon Musk is on the same par as Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and all of them as well too. I mean, this is no... You really think that the person that basically runs NASA nowadays, like, oh, surprise, surprise, he he's the top investor in Twitter now. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. did not expect that goofy occurrence to happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, the guy's been manipulating the stock market through Twitter, so obviously he's going to fucking have a share in it eventually. Um, yeah. Anyways, the book I've been reading is Snow Crash. Yes. Um. It is well. Neil Stevenson, Snow Crash. I brought up. I brought up. Um. On the episode that I was talking about, Facebook turning itself to Meta, and my initial assumptions were not wrong. That metaverse is well. I believe it was coined a little before. It was like in the lexicon of the um that um cyber hacker. You know, like the cyberpunks. Like uh, cyberpunk was a thing. It was actually, I believe, Cyberpunk was originally a role-playing board game, kind of. Similar to, like, D&D. And that it was very popular in, like, the 80s and early 90s. I don't remember exactly when that came out. I should look into Cyberpunk, too. Uh, the original. I've heard that that's very similar to this. Um, And then... Neal Stephenson's Snow Crash came out in 1992. Now... I'm eight chapters into the book right now, and I constantly have to stop myself while listening to this and be like, okay, um, was this invented before 1992? It's like, it's about 50-50. It's really weird. It, It gets, oh my God, the way the book starts off in the first couple of chapters is, it doesn't only predict the metaverse, it predicts uber to a disgusting degree, it predicts Uber and Instacart, I'll just spoil this part first, um, La Costa uh, Costa Notra pizza, you know, our thing of ours, La Costa Notra is is like another word for the mafia, which in the book, they literally say, oh, the mafia, the owner of pizzas everywhere, and it's like, Um, it, it's really funny the way that they, they formulate pizzas in this book where it's like, they're like, oh, well, if you're a burger flipper, you can just be a burger flipper and you know, you can just drop out of high school and be a burger flipper. But if you want to be a pizza delivery guy, you got to go to school and like get educated in pizza delivering and like all this stuff. It's like, you got to learn how to like navigate the roads. So you make sure you get that pizza under 30 minutes, because if you don't, you're gonna get whacked. And it's like so. All like the um like the foot soldiers of the mafia are like pizza delivery men, and it's like if you don't deliver your pizza, where you have to cross between international um like quasi state borders, essentially corporate state borders like every 10 miles so it's like you're crossing through different gated community like disney like disney's doing that now like yeah like no lie the villages in florida and like that type of stuff like (laughs) this literally sounds like a pizza delivery man in the villages i'm like no no (laughs) i thought this book was gonna be ancap like atlas shrugged or something like that no this book is like brave new world it's like I can't tell if it's if it's in support or not, but they're certainly warning us about things. And like and in spelling it out in a way where the big kicker is, is that Facebook decided to turn itself to meta and hence also coining the metaverse. I understand meta means a thing where it's like that's referencing itself. Exactly! <laughs> like, so you're telling me that Facebook took the term metaverse? From a book where, in its first chapter, is talking about pizza delivery drivers getting themselves killed like by their own company, like executed by their own company, if they don't deliver a pizza in under thirty minutes like, that's that is uber that is uber that is instacart. I cannot believe I was reading this from a book in nineteen ninety two in the this sorry if I'm getting like a little outrageous to hear, but Jesus Christ like. I, I only really knew Snow Crash from the Metaverse part of it. Like, there's so much... There's a lot. There are a lot of things in this. And I've made notes. I'm just kind of ranting off the top of my head right now. Wait until I get into the AI demons. Because <laughs> it's the same thing that, like, The Matrix said. Yeah, like, oh my god, it's crazy. This book is really cool. Like, I'm a fan of Philip K. Dick books. I love Philip K. Dick. Um, I've read... Pretty much every book that's been a movie adaptation afterwards, and then many more that should be adapted into movies. Last one I read was Ubik. Ubik was interesting. Little, little confusing. Pretty interesting. Kind of almost seems like uh, if Ubik was to be directed by anyone, surprisingly, and like oddly enough, I think it should be directed by M. Night Shyamalan, because it's like the way it plays out. But um, yeah, um, anyways, back to Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. There, it's like a, uh, it also kind of, uh, reads as a noir, which is refreshing considering the, um, the fact that it's a sci-fi, you know, and it's like, uh, set in a libertarian hellscape, but like also to very, um, understanding of it. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's, 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 and it's so... I can't get over on the fact of how many things I've heard in these first eight chapters that I'm like this sounds like someone writing a science fiction today. Like <laughs> the only thing he has gotten wrong is videotapes. That's it. <laughs> like he, he, and then maybe the fact of uh, not not being able to predict bluetooth, but at the same time too instead of bluetooth, he's like oh it's a hair thin infrared um wire. Well, um, uh, that's how all of our internet is sent now. <laughs> so he's not that off whatsoever. It's, it's, it's uh, startling, startling. And especially the fact, like I said, that Facebook owned the term, took it and identified that that's the society that they want to get. So it's like, if you mirror the um, Facebook advertisement for the metaverse, whether it's like Mark Zuckerberg, like, oh, hey, I'm going to meet you for freaking a chicken dinner or something like or a pizza dinner, maybe um, like uh, in, in Snow Crash. It is it is like what they are spelling out all the negatives with that as well, too. And they even get to the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, all these like again, in the first couple of chapters, they're like, oh, whatever advertisers walking down the street, you could imagine. Whether it be uh, a topic, talking giraffe to a talking penis, and, it's like... <laughs> and then it's and then it's based upon class. Class is a major issue in this book, and how if you are a essentially a poor person, if you wanted to go into the metaverse, you would have to like rent a computer, go to the library, go to the library for a computer. Where this was in 1992, I don't think there were any li- any computers in libraries yet. Like you have to go in and then log in through a terminal in the metaverse rather than your own house in the metaverse if you are homeless in the metaverse you log in through a terminal and then you use an avatar that's prefabricated uh i believe it's called um brandy and clint in in uh in in there i remember also reading a Philip K Dick book where it um called the three stigmata of Palmer Eldritch where it's it's almost the exact same thing for Mars colonists, where they they use um, a prefabbed avatar to go back into a time that was better and in a um, utopia that is mimicking a certain historical point in humankind. Um, yeah, so it's I know I'm sounding like I'm ranting and I'm going off a mile a minute here. Good, you know, like I'm I'm this I've not heard a single podcast really delving into this book yet. In a manner of somebody actually reading the book, there's a lot of weird stuff in this book, and I'm like, if if, like it's basically to me seems like someone reading A Brave New World and only talking about the colony, like that that like if you've ever read the book, it's like only talking about the um, the colony, which I don't want to spoil it, but that's like the that's the the whole, um, linchpin of the book. But there's so much more going involved with it, you know. It's like Imagine somebody talking about 1984 and only talking about the Ministry of Truth and nothing else. Like you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm trying to say. There's so much more in this meta in in this in Snow Crash that is not about the metaverse, but about the society that creates the metaverse and the fact that that term was owned and patented and copyrighted by Facebook now is is, is just, just tells you what you need to know. (laughs) Like like this, they do not think that this is going to be a happy world. You know, maybe happy if they can drive people to think that they're happy with owning nothing. Hey, where did that come from? Snow crash. Because in snow crash, they're all living in U-Hauls. Anyways, (laughs) on to part two, where I actually have some freaking notes. scratch that no notes and also too recently read all of this as of about an hour ago <laughs> or maybe two um so how about all right let me just uh spoil the first eight chapters because you know what i don't want to spoil the book that's not like what i'm into yeah maybe i'll make a couple more parts talking about some further parts of the book um i mean i'm still Want you to read it actually, because I think that if you listen to my podcast, you might be and you might find this enjoyable. It's not what I expected. it's not atlas shrugged it is it is the exact opposite this book I did not expect this book to be talking about class issues. it is talking about class issues I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's why it has a mixed review because it talks about class issues on top of talking about transhumanism like. And, but then why did Facebook take the, like, oh my god, it's so weird, it's so weird, it's like they almost know what's up, and they're like, well, if we take the name, then we can use this as a platform, hey, because that's another thing that Snow Crash does, is that when you read this book, it will start, it starts, it's so funny, one of the first entomology things they do is library, they're like, oh yeah, a library, or actually, the first entomology technically is snow and crash like <laughs> snow snow can either mean um condensation of water falling to the ground or static you know which also can be the same thing static what does static look like snow what does static do very similar to snow builds up you know um they didn't even say that in the book i'm saying that now um <laughs> and then crash i think that's a little uh I think I think everyone listening to this can understand the, mean, the double meaning of the word crash or the multiple meanings of the word crash. We live in a society now where we've seen computers crash and other things crash so many times that it's like, you know, if you're a working individual, I'm sure you've dealt with some form of machinery crashing on you at some point in time. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's no crash. And the, um, also, I should say, the general thesis of this book is the Tower of Babel. Yes, is the Tower of Babel, and I already knew that. Is that going into this? Is that this is this is all an allegory for the Tower of Babel, <laughs> creating um, a single language, creating a single means, and then, boom, a virus or a drug is released, and everyone's scattered. You know, I don't need, I don't need to um, fill you guys in as much as the book does because it's funny, like, we're all familiar with this stuff now, you know, so, um, yeah, Enter the Metaverse, like, you have to bear in mind, this is the book that made this, that, like, you know, made all of this terminology, kind of, it's so fluid and fast in the book, too, that you really have to check and be like, yeah, I know it was, like, maybe edited in, like, 2000, but I'm still like, what the fuck, man, I'm like, these are the same words that you wrote, and, and, it's not like you wrote it. Even I would say, if it was ten years ago, I would still be blown away. I'm blown away. It was. It's two more than. It's two decades ago. Is this before nine eleven? The last edit of this book was before nine eleven. So I'm like, what the hell? And I'm. Like, it's crazy. So um, so they enter the metaverse. They um he this guy. His name is Hero. Protagonist is the name of the main character. Spelled... H-I-R-O, and then, like, protagonist, you know, like, so it's hero protagonist, you might think that's corny, yeah, the whole point is, is that the character's supposed to be, like, a blank avatar, kind of, like, you know, the, the Neo, again, Neo is also a pretty blank name, but, uh, but also, I believe this writer was writing it in, like, 1992, Neil Stevenson, I'm sure he read Philip K. Dick, and one of um, Philip K. Dick's most famous books was Vallis, which I will do an episode upon. Trust me, because <laughs> I'm reading his exegesis, spelt Genesis, kind of. Um, I know I'm getting off, but anyways. Um, Philip K. Dick, his last n- major novel... His last, most notable novel was *Valis*, spelled V-A-L-A-S, and it's um about a uh, split uh you split between his reality and like a reality from like Rome. I'm trying to like just say something that's like you know in the first couple of chapters he's split between his reality and Rome, and cannot figure out which one is his own actual reality and his main his name is horse lover fat yeah which is like that's like so the moment that i was reading this and it's like hero protagonist says and i'm like wait a second going to go into the info so because i'm i'm listening to this on an audiobook so i'm like um mm, wait a second so i like stop look it up h-i-r-o and i'm like oh okay and I'm like, that kind of reminds me of Horse Lover Fat from Valis. And I'm like, I get it. You're making one of those funny names for your, for your character. But given, though, the character is an army brat from uh, like, I think the United States broke up at this point and turned into a corporation thing. So, because um, he used to work for the Library of Congress, which is now like a corporate CIA. <laughs> and um, so, uh, hero protagonist, spelled... Hyro protagonist like Hyro Protagonist um is a um Japanese slash or like it's all different, like I said, different nations at this point. But it's like um, if you were to geographically place it, it would I believe um a Japanese American African? Yeah, like um so that's how you get that name. Kudos on the author. I thought that was actually pretty I was like, alright hey, goofy name, but wait a second, you actually have a decent backstory to create that funny name, okay, um, it's well, I'm saying it's a well-wrote book, I'm like, I'm like, this isn't that bad, I enjoyed it, so, definitely, it's getting a gold star right now, at least, I can't put it on a number scale, but it's getting a gold star, so, um, (sighs) He goes into the metaverse, hero protagonist, he likes to carry a samurai sword on him because, not because he's an edgelord, but because the fact that his dad, um, his dad gave it to him from World War II, and it's his only possessions he still has left, so he has that samurai katana, and that short sword too, and like, um, he carries him on his back, and it's his only possessions, because, you know, his dad gave it to him too, and and he uh he likes to split baseballs and footballs in the middle of parks while people are trying to play catch. Like that's his that's his that's his form of entertainment in the real world. <laughs> and, um so he enters the metaverse and he goes into the metaverse and he's a super boss. And all these talking penises and giraffes and also like, um, cheap, um, prefab knockoff people too and everything else like that. So it could be avatars of cheap avatars to expensive avatars are all clamoring at this giant black pyramid. Hmm. Funny, funny. Hmm. A giant black pyramid there. And this is in the book in 1992. They're like, oh, they're all clamoring around this giant Black Pyramid with only one entrance. And the name of the Black Pyramid is The Black Sun. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So then hero protagonist proceeds to walk through a crowd like the crowd is a um ghost. Like the crowds are all ghosts, essentially. And the reasoning in the book behind this is the fact that the metaverse has trouble rendering that many people at one time. So, you can pass through them rather than bump into them. Isn't that literally, like, a thing in coding? Like, it's because the fact that coders have read this book. And it's like, they, so they're like, that's a great tip. And, (laughs) And so, you do see that in almost every single fucking game. Like, like, don't... Do you bump into each other in World of Warcraft? No. Like, so that's... Boom. Chalk that on the board is something that's, like, very odd and predicted and nuanced in book. So, like, yeah, he walks through the crowd like ghosts because, you know, they don't need to be rendered, and then, like, you know, like, they're just there, but then when he walks into the... Well, when he walks past the crowd and everyone in the crowd's like, holy shit, there's someone walking into the Black Sun, what the fuck? And you know what that would be in like today is like if a chat blows up on a live, if like someone's like on the live stream and they mention, they say one comment and, and the person on the live stream's like, Oh, Hey, let me call you, bro. And like, and, and like, and like that person, like all of a sudden's like on the live stream, like everyone watching the live streams, like yo, 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 add, add friend, add friend, add friend, like, you know, like literally fucking boom, it says it in the book first fucking, like, first couple of chapters, and then he walks into this pyramid, it's all in the same, like, he's probably saying this in the book faster than I am, walks into the pyramid, called the Black Sun, (laughs) that he helped make, because he's one of the hackers, he's, like, a poor fucking hacker in real life, but he helped make it, so he's, like, I don't want to walk into this shit, and, like, walks in, everyone starts clamoring, but then when he walks into the Black Sun, It's completely rendered differently because they rendered this own world. So it's like no one bumps into each other there and they have demons. They have demons and they're like, oh, it's like an antiquated term. And we used it. It's it's basically NPCs. They call them demons. And it's like they they like they just NPC them around. They're like, oh, it's like they originally had like a purpose in the original construct of the metaverse. But we just kind of took these blank AIs and and reverted them and rewrote code for them. This, this is why I'm not even like alliterating this. This is what it says. Like we just took these AIs and rewrote code for them. And now they're our servants in this black black pyramid in this black sun. It's called the Black Sun. It's called the Black Sun. Which is really nuts. Because you know what's really fucking crazy then? Then it's like, so you're telling me that the two most popular phrases from this book are metaverse and the black sun? Really? Because um if I remember if I know I'm not if I I know for a fucking fact that the um the thing that people are talking about with the black sun right now is like the azov battalion in fucking esoteric nazism like what the fuck so and no like literally like if you search the black sun search the black sun uh cult the black sun militants the black sun army the black sun like 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 even the black sun logo we'll say that's a neo nazi thing like so yeah it's all right i give i i understand this I'm not trying to say, like, oh, this book is evil or something. What I'm trying to say is, is that it's so peculiar that Facebook has owned this term, the metaverse, from this dystopian concept. We're also, too, it's latent and well aware. And, like, it's trying to tell you, like, hey, the Black Sun, like, come on now. That is something that's, like, do you, like, the Black Sun, that blew me away when they said that. I I guarantee I well I mean it's a book there wouldn't be a logo in there but the logo would probably be very similar like it's man man like I don't want to put the black sun in the thumbnail I'm not doing that because I'm not as brave as Rand or as rained out rancast <laughs> but um you know rained out rancast did something similar recently He, uh, maybe or maybe not, he put in a, uh, you know, like, uh, let's just say he, uh, he made a very politically edgy picture mixed with a, um, filter that was, uh, generated by Facebook, and, uh, if you can just put two and two there, and I'm like, damn, man, you, like, how are you getting away with this? And it sounds like there's something there. I don't know. I'm only eight chapters in and I bet you it won't hit on those marks. I, it's not going to say everything. It cannot, it can't, it can't. If it it did, then I, you know, it, that would be a little too scary, you know, like, well, I mean, eh. I think Brave New World's pretty accurate. If you've ever read that book and I've always, uh, understood that that book was a playbook because, um, Huxley, who wrote, who's the author of A Brave New World, His cousin, I believe, was Julian Huxley, who was like the founder of eugenics, essentially. So you're telling me cousins don't talk in especially uh, um, affluent families, you know, even if you're like the only dysfunctional families you really see that are affluent sorry to say, are musicians and sports players, you know, like, aside from, if you're, if you're a business affluent family, you, they, you like, you know, make your, uh, lineage, to say that lightly, yeah, um, let's see if the book gets into that, who knows, but either way right now, it's talking about, um, a limited hangout called the Black Sun, where all the hackers hang out in, That helped create the metaverse, or helped um, curate the metaverse in its initial days and age. I mean, even Minecraft. I get, like, ideas of Minecraft when it comes to all of this. Oh, and then also, um, one of the things is they said the only way that these hackers initially got paid at the beginning was if they issued themselves their own stock. I can, I can find, it's in the beginning of chapter 8. I I actually wrote the, I wrote, like, the the timestamp down on, I think it's like a, it's it's at the very beginning of chapter 8. They say the only way that these hackers were able to get paid was by issuing their own stock. That sounds, I mean, even as he wrote that, that probably sounded wild to him. Bitcoin! Fucking Bitcoin! (laughs) is that or any coin for that matter now <laughs> boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy and the and the whole thing is is that they get paid by by taking out video cameras and collecting intel on people what is the blockchain what is the goddamn blockchain what is what is mining what is data mining like ah everything like in that first it's a very dense first couple of chapters but a fun read too it's not just being like, this is how it is. You know, it's like, it's very nuanced. Yeah. Which he mentions at one point too, that it's like, um, oh, something about creating reality or, you know what it is. Um, um, facts are formed from vapors of nuances. That's what it is, is that fact is formed from vapors of nuances. I know that sounds a little wordy, but that what that's basically saying is that reality, facts, or whatever we know as facts, is created from not what we really even say, but how we act and what we do and just uh, things we can't even see because we can't see our own face. But other people can see our own face. If anything, there's something looking at our face at all times. There's something looking at my face right now Even though this is just an audio podcast, I am recording into something, and it is looking at my face, and looking at my eyes, and looking at how my mouth moves, and everything else like that, and can probably accurately judge how I'm feeling and my emotions at any given time, even better than I can. So, those are my nuances, and they are, everyone has them, and everyone has them to degrees that are almost near infinite, um, and something viewing you can then judge that and act accordingly more than you even can, unless possibly free will exists rather than fate. Hey, (laughs) guess that's where all of this turned to. All right, um, Might end the episode, might make a part two, or maybe I'll just continue the episode and issue it in a couple days after I make a couple more parts. Because um, this book, I don't think it's going to slow down, and even if it does, then the first couple are interesting enough. Like I said before, why is this term being coined if it's from such a dystopian novel? and also one that seems to be pretty accurate on the evils and just horribleness of the world we live in today i'll leave this segment off like i just left my last one they all live in goddamn u-hauls for fucking christ's sake in freaking cargo containers and there you fucking go Same old bullshit Cardinals, Hiltons, Media darlings Read about them in your one room Apartment like shit But you laugh it off like Callin' no one misses you if
1: you Round up on a mill carton 9 to 5 bullshit Office space get your fucking Watch wars on BBC When they got pussy pictures on TMZ The form of your life straight could have been yeah. the IMAX, smoking DMV Go so ahead, yeah. get the minutes of your life, the green light Diamond yeah. is mean, a fucked up way for you to live, right? Yeah. Watch your back when you abandon these stacks, cause your yeah. iPhone's trash, show exactly where you at yeah. Dropping off a brick and we see your blood splash from a bomb that they saw dropping
0: down from Google Maps yeah. Well, today is now April 19th, rather than April 7th, when I started this episode, but I really wanted to get deeper into the book before I finish this, you know, just in case if I was missing over anything, and, you know, hey, I don't want to drag this out into two parts, so I'm on chapter 50 now, and I feel that, um, although I have not finished the book, I am at a good point now to finish the episode, because I don't really want to finish the episode, I, I, I don't want to finish the book before I finish the episode, because that way, I'm way more prone to spoil things, <laughs> and the book's, the book's been pretty good, um, I will give it a B plus because there are certain parts, specifically when Hero is talking to the librarian, which, um, just to give you a quick context, the librarian is basically Google, kind of, it's like a remote Google, it's like, um, like imagine a um um a search program, but it searches through like I don't know a hundred terabytes of information someone else made. You know what I mean? It's like all localized, but it's like the the, the, the librarian concepts um, reminds me of Ask Jeeves. Remember that? Like the precursor to Google. How like there was Yahoo and also Ask Jeeves. Yeah, like it, it's so funny. It reminds me of Ask Jeeves. So that part of the book can get a little dry at times, given also that part of the book is the most, um, heavy with the, um, analysis of what's going on, you know, in in the manner of language and religion and everything else in the book. Um, I'll get into that later in this segment, but, um, Yeah, so just to to put it out there, the story right now is getting pretty heavy. I don't really want to get too much into the story because, like I said, I don't want to ruin the book for anyone. I kind of want to ruin it as little as I can and still bring up the topics that they brought up. Because I'm, I'm cherry-picking little things that, like, I noticed through the book that I'm like, oh my god, this reminds me of this, and this reminds me of this. And it's more like, it's gotten to the point now where there are a lot... Like, my first two parts, I was geeking out about the things that he predicted. Um, I'm just gonna actually say the most profound thing that I've heard, which was just in the last, like, chapter I read. I think it was chapter 49. He mentions depleted uranium. Like they, he uses a depleted a depleted uranium railgun. If you know what a railgun is, it's a um, it actually is trying to be formulated by the government currently right now, and it's it's like always been thing that's like science fiction. They want to turn to reality. A railgun. The whole purpose of that is that what you would think it's a rail, like you know, like a long bullet, a very long bullet that shoots pneumatically like pneumatically like you know so it shoots kind of like through the air i guess at a super high speed and can just poof like shoot a hole through anything and and yeah it's a rail gun i'm sure if you've ever played like halo or any of those games they have rail guns in them and usually like it's a high powered sniper rifle that can blow a hole through a tank you know and They've been trying to make railguns. I, I think actually they did, but they found it was like impractical or something. But in the book, in chapter forty-nine, I'm skipping ahead, real heavy. I'm 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 gonna rewind here because this is where I'm at. Um, they use a depleted uranium railgun. Where I'm like, okay, so this book was wrote in 1992. That was depleted uranium was being used by the United States government at that time when he wrote the book and it was not disclosed until like 2002 or something like look it up um gulf war depleted I'm going to put this in the links gulf war depleted uranium issues you look up on the on the va webs on va.gov on veteransassociation.gov and they have a huge thing about how the fact that like oh who gives a shit about the iraqi children i guess but you know either way this is this is this is proven to be a fact because of the fact that we have programs to help veterans that got cancer through depleted uranium shells because here's the thing it was never disclosed it was it was a hidden secret for the longest time that they were putting depleted uranium within shells in tanks in the gulf in the gulf conflict and also during kosovo as well too and so so basically, we need to get rid of this um, nuclear waste. Oh, let's kill two birds with one stone. How about, let's not kill two birds with one stone. Let's kill two generations with one stone. And boom, let's, let's launch this depleted uranium in the field against our enemies. Who gives a shit about their kids? Like, you know, and boom, now you have a bunch of birth defects for like 30, 40 years. Yeah, depleted uranium. And on top of that, all the veterans or the active service member at that time did not realize they were shooting shells that were radioactive. So what did they do? They blew up a freaking tank and then they would go to that tank and take a souvenir from the tank, not realizing that that souvenir was completely irradiated because of the shell they shot at it. <laughs> like, and they, he brings up depleted uranium in chapter 49, like very heavily. And I'm like, oh, wow, because there's no way he would have known about that, like, well, I mean, maybe aside from being, like, a real, like, he could have been a real insider, I don't know, Neil Stevenson, but, like, there, there's, there's, it's very uncanny to see a mention of depleted uranium in a book from 1992, yeah, like, and I already went off about the whole fucking Uber thing, there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Um, I Maybe I did just uh, reveal my hand there and say one of the biggest things. But, I mean, I, I just couldn't help myself. I read that and I'm like, oh my god. Depleted uranium? Really? In a railgun? Huh. That's, like, literally what happened in the Iraq conflict. And that was not disclosed until, like, 2002. Oh, boy. All right. Um, there... You know, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to decompress myself there for a second because that was one of the most absurd things that I've heard yet from this book. And I'm like, I am still astonished that he they he straight out said it's depleted uranium. And I'm like, this this book's predicting things. <laughs> this is crazy. Because <laughs> that happened. That happened in 1991. And this book was wrote in 1992. But nobody, it was unknown to even the general, like, I think maybe the generals knew, but like, aside from that, like, it was not known that the U S government was doing that until about like 2002, I believe was when it wasn't even a four-year request. It was like a big old lawsuit where like, yeah, where they realized that like, um, Gulf war veterans had a, um, statistically way higher amount of like cancers. So then, Yeah. Woo! Yeah, and that's in chapter 49. It's a big, um, climax point of the book. I'm not going to say the context in how depleted uranium was used in the book, but a- anyways, um, so on to my part four, I guess. Well, this might seem like a little bit of a, um, list read-off, but it's more about the fact that I normally don't take notes, and I took notes on this. So, <laughs> um... Stick with me here, but at the same time, too, it might actually be more coherent than I normally am. <laughs> um, well, in Chapter 12, there is a mention of these, um, r- they call them rat things. Yeah, they call them rat things in the book. Now, the way they describe it is that it runs on a um, nuclear, it's nuclear powered, but it has the mind of a dog, yet it's in a robot. Now, aside from the nuclear aspect of it, that, to me, sounded very similar to the Boston Dynamic Dogs. (laughs) Like, almost to a T, where the entire, like, I I keep saying this, I don't, I really don't know if inventions have been made from this book, or if this book is predicting inventions, or both. I, I really can't tell. Like so, I mean, it's just very. It, in it's like these rat things. Actually, they they're a recurring thing. It's a recurring element within the story where it's um it's a cyborg dog. It's a cyborg dog that has the mind of a dog, but it's like living a euphoric life because it's living in a um. It, it, it basically in the book the way they describe the the rat things. Um, one of the main characters, YT her dog, her pit bull, went missing. And it's implied that the pit bull was then abducted and turned into one of these rat things, because it it kind of explicitly says it in one of the chapters. And, I mean, like, I'm not giving away anything too much here. But, um, Y.T. being... The two main characters of the book are Hero and Y.T. So, anyways. Um, also and i i should go into yt cuz why there's enough stuff about yt that's very interesting too she's a courier um i think i may have brought this up in the earlier part where she kind of jumps she's a courier she um her whole job is that she delivers things and she works for she ends up working for the mob which the mob the the mafia becomes a major player in this book which is really funny cuz it's like to me the way i'm reading it is it seems like it's just making different critiques across capitalism where I, I, I mean, like I say capitalism, but I mean, like also like, um, one of them, I, as I know I'm getting off here, but the whole premise of the book are these quasi States and that like the, there's no coherent state anymore. The States are, everything's balkanized. Everything's balkanized through different corporate States. They're called quasi States. And, you have essentially the mafia um some guy that bought out Hong Kong called Lee so it's called like Lee's Hong Kong um the mafia you got like um um some sort of like a uh, weird hotel like thing like you got like like a state that's literally like a hotel state and then like um now I'm in 49 so like they're they're introducing more states and states so now there's this Alaskan one that's really interesting where it is a, they call it a single dimensional state because the fact that it is, um, I believe 2000 miles by a hundred feet <laughs> and it's all made for like refugees that want to like escape. So they just like hitch up on an RV and just live in RV land. Like, yeah, it's crazy. This book has some really funny stuff in it. Yeah. Um, so back to YT, though. Um, one invention that I know that is currently being formulated right now, because I saw it, I've seen it before, are dynamic wheels. Yeah. Um, it's a major point in the book where YT, and also her whole thing is that she's a courier. Couriers come in huge... It's um, She's not the only courier in the book. It's a whole thing where... What they do is they, um, you know, like, um, sharks, how they have, like, little fish that, like, feed off of their sides and stuff. Or, or, or say, like, how um, how birds fly on, on wind gusts and such. Like, it, it's similar to that. So, like how I said before, at the beginning of the book, you have Hero who, if he doesn't deliver the pizza in the first 30 minutes, he's going to get his fucking head chopped off. You have... YT, on the other hand, who's a courier who literally latches on from car to car to car to car to car. If you've ever played um Tony Hawk Pro Skater, there's a move in the game called, I believe it's like stitching or something, where you can like grab onto the back of a bumper of a car on your skateboard and like ride the back of the bumper. Like that, that, it's the same thing, but like she's got a grappling hook and like can literally you know, a magnetic grappling hook that hits other cars, and carries her, and slingshots her to where she needs to go, and, like, that's how the couriers work, and then they, they, they have this vest that, like, has all these different barcodes on it, so when they go through a different checkpoint of a different country, because, you know, like I said, all the countries are Balkanized, you, you, in a given 10-mile span, you get passed through, like, five different countries, you know, so she's got this, like, Big giant vest that like instantly bars get barcode scanser, and then the dynamic wheels, like I was saying, is very interesting because it's these wheels that like can go over any curb and stuff. And the way they describe it is very similar to what I have been seeing in this technology now, where it's like um, a wheel that has like five or six different wheels in it it's like it looks like a wheel with six wheels you know and like and it can rivet up you know what i mean like i yeah i've seen that i think the only reason why it's not as popular is because the fact that you it would still take a lot of high technology in order to operate that you know um but still it's a plausible technology and i've seen it in prototype form so yeah, it goes back to that whole uh, Boston dynamic thing I was saying as well too, where there's a lot of proto technology in this that's could be rolled out even in the future, you know. Um, but but the key, but it's funny though. Um, a, a lot of the inherent things in the book have already been rolled out. <laughs> Uh, and I I I don't even know if I'm gonna get into Fedland yet. I know because <laughs> that's where YT, one of the main characters, her mother works in Fedland, and it's it's a panopticon. I have, epis- I have episodes about the panopticon. You can go ahead and go back and maybe even I I think I even titled it the panopticon. Yeah, like uh, the he definitely brings that up too. Um, hmm. all right. So to continue um oh yeah they also predicted thumbnails um like um flash drives he predicted flash drives in chapter 13 he mentioned something about a fingernail shaped icon that stores files that's a finger a fingernail shaped icon that stores files well if he just used the word thumbnail rather than fingernail it would it would be like, boom, like, you know, that's a flash drive, (laughs) yeah, so that's another good one, um, in chapter 14, oh, yeah, that's when, um, one of the main characters are introduced, and he is an Elon Musk type, yep, let's just say that the main antagonist of the book is Elon Musk, but imagine Elon Musk crossed with Mahatma 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 Gandhi, (laughs) I've done that before, I can't say his name, I don't know why, it's hard, Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, there we go, um, yeah, no, really, it's Elon Musk crossed with Gandhi, it's really weird, because the whole thing is, is that this guy is, he basically owns the metaverse, but at the same time, too, his real world, uh, for length, for, oh my god, another word I can't say, his real world, um, money financing, philanthropy, is, um, Building a giant raft that collects refugees and then dumps them off in other places. And and, and given the context of the book, where you know it's all talking about the ba- Tower of Babel, when they're on this raft, they learn tongues. They learn how to speak in tongues, and then they and then they get sent off to like L.A. or somewhere else, like, they, they have, like, certain dumping grounds for these people, and they send them off, and, like, then they, they, they get off the barge, and they're all speaking in tongues, and, like, running around freaking, like, cities and stuff, Mm, I'll just leave it at that, there's some analogies there, too, for that, buses coming from Chicago and Detroit into LA, the homeless problems, anyways, um, Yeah, there's a lot in this book. <laughs> oh boy. I I I you know I'm I'm not against homeless people, and I honestly think that if you're a homeless person, yeah, maybe it would be smarter for you to live in a warm area, but still like I Jesus Christ. Like though I have heard stories about buses coming from g- leaving one city going towards a warmer city that's larger. And I can't help but think that. There's an analogy there anyways um again, one from nineteen ninety two uh also instant hyperinflation is a thing within this book. um, everything works within billions and trillions of dollars, not like everything's billions and trillions a million dollars would essentially be ten dollars, and it's gone and also um there was a currency. Fix at one point in this book as well too, where it's you can still redeem your old currency, but only for like half the value or something. So there's this constant mention right? at one point of the book. I believe it's a full chapter. Yt's mother is in Fedland, and like she's go, she's reading through her emails. Where like it's like also like if you read through your emails and you take, it's like they know exactly how long you're taking on reading those emails if you read it too long they think you're fucking taking a bathroom break without knowing it amazon and amazon 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 and then um if you think that you read it too fast then you didn't read the email so it's like she's like specific she like specifically goes back up and rereads a spot she doesn't need to reread because it's like she knows that the computer's watching that and it's like oh it's good she reread that spot you know like and the whole premise of it is like sharing toilet paper. Yeah. Like the whole premise of this chapter is an email. She's reading about sharing toilet paper in 1992. And, and, and like how, um, there has to be a communal pooling of toilet paper because of the fact that there's too much wasteful toilet paper being used. It is wild. And I'm like, so, and then the thing is at the end of it, they're like, um, and we caught on to this little trick where you guys think you can use currency as toilet paper. You can't. Not, like, because the thing is that that's a federal offense. So you can't wipe your ass with the toilet, with the currency that doesn't work anymore. It's like... <laughs> I mean, given... Yeah, I know that did actually happen in, like, in, um, say, Germany. Uh, I think East Germany, specifically. But, like, still... It's pretty uncanny that he tied it into like an almost Amazon type aspect there because like if he if he mentioned warehouse workers pissing in bottles I mean I'm hey I'm a warehouse worker but I don't need to piss in a bottle God bless my God bless that fact I hope it doesn't degrade at all you know but um Amazon workers what the fuck like you got a warehouse where you need to piss in a bottle like are you fucking serious <laughs> like, jesus like that's uh that, that that that's a hellscape that's a fucking hellscape um whew. yeah all right um i'm just gonna keep rolling here all right um the burr of claves there's a giant black cube they mentioned that snow crash comes out of oh you know what i need to take it one more One more pause here, because I'm going to get to the root of the book. The root of the book. They mention it very, very shortly, I believe in chapter 36. And it goes into a concept that I've always kind of had a kinship to, I guess. And it's universal grammar. So, alright, on to the last part, where we talk about the actual premise of the book.
1: I love to go a-wandering along the mountain track. And as I go, I love to sing my knapsack on my back. Valerie, Valera, 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 <laughs> Valerie, Valera, my knapsack on my back. I love to wander by the stream that dances in the sun So joyously it calls to me Come join my happy song Rall the I wave my hat to all I meet, and they wave back to me. And blackbirds call so loud and sweet from every greenwood tree. Valerie, Valera, 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 Valerie, <laughs> Valera.
0: So, before I get on to Universal Grammar and Babel, Enki, Nam Shubs, the main premise of the book, where if you're listening at this point, I'm still going... I'm not spoiling really too much in the plot here, but I am going to reveal what the book is about. I'll I'll try to do it as least as possible. I already brought up the raft, so I'm trying not to bring up anything else. Um... But I was listening, uh, re-listening to myself, and heard and i i remember when i was saying this i was like how does this all sound so familiar um the single dimensional nation that i mentioned that nation that's two thousand miles by 100 feet where all the rvs shack up in in alaska well that's very startling because there is a very peculiar proposition that saudi arabia is doing called the line it's just simply called the line it's actually supposed to um sync up i believe with china's one belt one road program and it is just that a sing a um it is all right let me let me pull it up right here the line neom yeah it's n-e-o-m is the um name of the it's the name of the location that they created all of this seems like a quasi state to me and i believe it runs about yeah it runs 170 kilometers and it's one mile wide. Yeah, so it's, or one kilometer wide by 170 kilometers long. It is a line. And it runs through Saudi Arabia from the mountains into the lower um, coastal areas. And the whole point of the line, too, is supposed to be aware of um, ocean erosion, or, yeah, I'm sorry, of ocean encroachment. And then also to it being a full smart city mm-hmm, where everything's integrated. And everything runs on the Internet of Things on this line in that it's supposed to be kind of a, um, it's marketed as almost a utopia to areas, to to people in that surrounding area. Um, It's supposed to almost kind of be a new United Arab Emirates almost, at least like I said how it's being marketed as. It's, it's, I, I went into the line, I made an episode about it maybe 20 or 30 episodes ago. You can go back and find that too, but I yeah I just described the line again in in Saudi Arabia in this book that was wrote in 1992. Nobody would have ever have imagined that something like that would even be feasible, like or like practical by a government. But it is, it is, and the whole thing too is that it's like supposed to. Oh, um, no vehicles, no vehicles on the line in Saudi Arabia. It's all transit systems, high speed rails. Um, and you're supposed to be able to bike to any or bike or walk to anything you need within a kilometer area. So it's like all your essentials are within your localized area. And you know what? I wouldn't be too surprised if the lines eventually like, oh, there's no reason for you to travel ten kilometers down this line. Uh, what's your reason? Oh, you don't have one? You stay home. Stay stay in, stay in your neighborhood. Like so. A- anyways. It's it's, echoing. I'm echoing. All right. Uh, So on to the last part, which is about echoes. Well, as always, I guess I'm drawing out this episode. So um, I did finish the book and I am trying to be careful on what I say here because I don't want to spoil anything in the plot because um, I will say this, I will actually upgrade this book from a B plus to an A minus because um, it, it's actually wrote like like I said it's dry in some parts but it's ending oh my lord everything comes together I'm like I wonder if they're gonna f- if he's gonna forget about some plot points and nope everything ties together real perfectly and YT seems to be the main character at the end <laughs> which is interesting because she's a 15 year old girl. Now, time for me to get into the problematic points in the book. <laughs> and I remember hearing about this book, like, way in the past, actually, now. Like, I could have sworn I heard someone talk about this book way before Facebook ever decided to do the whole metaverse thing and everything else like that. Like, um, maybe... 2015 16 somebody was just casually talking about this book and because i i i'm like the mo. there's one chapter there's one chapter that is technically pedophilia yeah because it's a um but it's consensual pedophilia but it's pretty it's pretty graphic It's it's a it's like a oh sorry Ah, i'm in my car you know i just want to roll up my window it's actually the best place to record actually i like the ambience of the background i don't know if you can hear the the uh wishing of cars behind me but anyways um so like i said um yt is a 15 year old girl she's a very dynamic character in the book enough so where she willingly has sex with a presumably over 30 year old man and but it's um also that's one of the main antagonists and it's very peculiar how it's wrote because it's almost kind of like you have to constantly like at least I had to constantly remind myself oh wait this is a 15 year old girl talking to a 30 year old like a 33 year old man they like I said there's a very pretty graphic sex scene in the book where it's also one thing when I was reading this book I'm like this book seems devoid of sex in, rela- in relationships until all of a sudden, boom, here's a 15-year-old girl. Uh, I'm not going to say who, but also I'm not going to... I, I will say it is not hero. It is not the hero protagonist, which, to remind you, that's the name of the protagonist in the book. <laughs> it's not hero protagonist the guy that wields the swords and is the hacker he actually is pretty much an incel throughout the entire book um but or maybe not an incel but like uh you know like celibate or something um she does choose to have sex with uh it seems a little weird i'm like why are you getting so graphic with a 15 year old having sex with like a essentially like uh like, uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get into too much detail cause I don't want to ruin anything here. Um, but yeah, it, it was, If I don't want to say it was a well, Oh, Hey, I see the possum again. That's that same possum. Hey, the possum I mentioned a couple episodes ago. Anyways. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching a possum walk around my backyard. Yeah. Anyways. I love possums. I don't. I don't want to get into that again. I think possums are like some of the best. Mar- it is the only marsupial in the United States. Uh. Anyways. So, um. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say that there is a chapter that is technically by law considered pedophilic, but it's like not grooming at all. It's more like. Like I guess it kind of is. I don't know. It's a little weird. It's like. But it, it plays out in the story. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to like, I need to point that out. I don't want to try to ride it off. I'm going to point it out. I'm going to say, yeah, he maybe should have wrote that other character, or maybe he should have made YT 18. Like, why, why does YT have to be 15? YT could have been an 18 year old living at her house with her mother, and it would have just, and boom, I wouldn't have even needed to bring this up if she was 18. But she's 15, so it's like... Eh, eh. But I mean, also, like, she is kind of like a teenager. Like, there's but an 18-year-old's a teenager. Anyways, um, so that is prob- that is the number one problematic thing that I had with the book. The number two problematic thing is the fact that the mafia, how, how the critiques of you, uh, like, you've been hearing me critiquing how the mafia is in the book, Eventually, they do become a saving grace. And it is something that, again, today probably would have not been wrote. But you have to consider this is 1992. And the way it rolls out in the storyline of the book really reminds me of like a Martin Scorsese movie, kind of. Where on top of that, though, the main... Uh, Mafia Don is also, like, a Vietnam vet, and, like, that, that whole point in the story, when he's, like, flashing back to Vietnam, and, like, doing, like, all the stuff that he needs to do, because of the fact that he has experience from Viet, from the Vietnam War, that's cool, like, I thought that that was, so it's, again, I can't, like, really bash it, because it's wrote so well, I'm, like, all right, like, like, I, I, I don't know, I, I think it's real well, I, So then, but then then again, like I said, I called out this whole systematic bullshit of like quasi states and mafia states, and how if Hero didn't meet up with YT, he would have had his head chopped off by the mob. So it's like, you know, it's not like at the end of the day, at the end of this book, they live in a rosy world anymore. You know what I mean? It's like trying to stop. A terrorist attack, essentially. But the world is still fucked up. (laughs) Um, And then thirdly, my my third critique, my third... I was saying the two problematic things, and then now this is just a simple critique, is I did bring up the raft. I don't want to go into detail about that, but I did say that point about how there's an Elon Musk character that's building a raft that gets refugees and drags them to different areas. Um, a. That could actually save lives because I know how human traffic. Uh, it's actually the most recent tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat podcast. The most recent episode they have, I think it might be five five six, talks about how um there's these barges that go out to the Galapagos Islands with children and that smugglers, then take these barges and bring them to the border, which is, that's not a lie, I've heard about that too, I know all about, like, the, 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 the human trafficking of children, and it's because of the fact that, honestly, I think it really is, because of the fact that, like, or at least, like, the majority of it, is because of the fact that, like, poor families in really poverty, not only poverty stricken, but, like, paramilitary embedded communities like you got to imagine that like if you are trying to just like live your life and like you got like all sorts of shit all on top of you like like paramilitaries and the government that hates you like and corporations that hate you and like United States coming in and just um for example like you know the United States can have Interpol just fly a freaking plane over your farm and drop a bunch of freaking, um, what is it, um, raid, you know, like, remember, you know, like, the pesticide raid, um, yeah, it's, it's Monsanto makes it, um, Roundup, thank you, Uh, sorry, I don't know why I said thank you, Roundup, Roundup, Roundup Ultra, look that up, like, so you're telling, like, these, these farmers are not only destitute, they are, like, and they're not only slaves, like, they are constantly getting fucked with, so it's, like, like, from avenues that they don't even know it's like it could be the local cartel it could be the paramilitaries it could be their own state or it could be interpol trying to bash them because the fact that they're growing one marijuana plant or one coca plant in their farm simply because the fact that they just want to smoke a joint every now and then and want to chew on some coca leaves it's like and then, then boom here comes some plane just dropping roundup ultra on top of your family so like you gotta, you gotta consider that. And it's like, and so then what, that person then, basically, it's not selling. It's like they pay a courier, like, essentially, like, probably, like, uh, in the tinfoil hat, hat episode, the most recent one, they said $250, it, you know, it's probably accurate. You pay a courier to bring your child out of that country and out of that place. But then what do they do? They put him on a barge in the Galapagos. And then they, and they like, so... Th- that barge could sink that barge. Like there's no adults on that barge. It's a barge full of children. It's <laughs> then talk about Haiti. Talk about the Dominican Republic. Talk about the missing peoples of Bolivia. And I think like Costa Rica and like a couple other places. It's not like it's, it's a uh, more regional than, than it has to do with the politics of g- each given country there. It's, it's geographical. It's like, they, they, you know, there's, they, It's genocide. It's a a soft genocide. Um, So, yeah, it reminded me a lot of The Raft. And um, I wished that in the book they went a little more into detail about the culture of The Raft. Because they mention how The Raft's like... um, They mention a lot about how The Raft is constructed. Which I really did like. Because it painted a great mental image. But like i just wish it went into the culture a little more there's this one point where they do get into the culture a little bit and it's really interesting because hero he um is on a boat and then he needs to have a guide send him into the raft where give this is a floating country this is a floating country and they call it the raft because it's tied by wires and lines it's it's imagine like uh the closest thing I can compare it to is the fishing communities of North Korea. Yeah, because they um they send out these fishing boats and they're and they're like just off on their own and they they get guided by like big lights and stuff. Imagine if they were all tethered. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um it's almost like a like like tsunami debris, but like intelligently designed (laughs) and also community designed because the whole thing is too is that they're like they pull up on the raft and they're like we don't know if there's like turf warfare going on right now and like and like so turfs like will cut other communities off on the raft and be like oh bye-bye and like we don't need to compete with you anymore and they just like drown this is what did i just say what did i just say two minutes ago like um so I wished it went into the culture of the raft a little more. I like, um, there is one kid, like I was just about to say, one guide that Hero, H-I-R-O, um, takes on is this kid called, I think his name is like Transmutation or like, like trans, what's, what's, um, you know, like the Catholic Eucharist, Trans, transubstantiation? Yeah. Isn't that what they call like the action of, um, the Eucharist when you, when, you take, yeah, it's transubsidiation. Yeah, it's like when you, when you are doing the Eucharist with the whole cracker and the wine in the Catholic Church, and then you're saying, oh, it's becoming the body and blood of God, of Jesus. You know, like that's, that's called transubsidiation. Yeah, and this kid's name is like transubsidiation. And I'm like, the moment I heard that, I'm like, oh, whoa, huh? It's interesting that he's getting a guide that's transubsidiation. And that kid survived. <laughs> at least to my knowledge in the book that kid survived um but i wish it went in I, I wish he added like one extra chapter on that but uh again to alliterate the two biggest problematic things are the fact that there's a sex scene with a 30 a, a presumably 30 year old with a 15 year old and then but also to the 15 year old was consenting but still it's like a little a little weird i can see now why people are like oh this seems like an ancappy book i'm like oh yeah all right there is like there is that in the book like you know i'm not gonna lie about that there is certainly a sex scene with an underage child and a consensual underage child with an adult like that ah shit (laughs) but um and then also too they do kind of glorify the mafia a little bit near the end but like aside from that is well wrote. Everything ties together. Um, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending is really good. It gets good. Like I, I, I was like, wait. There's only two chapters left to this book, and and yep, they tied it together. They tied it up. And um, I'll just say that hero, hero protagonist becomes John McAfee. Like as in like John McAfee back in the day. When he um, made his antivirus. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's a fair amount of analogies you can make with John McAfee into this book, too. Which is very interesting because, again, Facebook took the term metaverse deliberately, knowingly, and, like, it's coming from this book. Like, it's certainly coming from this book now. So... I did promise I was going to explain the root of it, which is universal grammar. So, one last part here. Kids, for young people,
1: Um, do you sometimes see your concerts as a sort of ritual? Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Though I've uh, read a little bit about shamanism. I haven't seen too much of it firsthand. Except, you know, what we see with the kind of thing but in uh in tribes the shaman could be any age could be an old man or a young man but the whole tribe uh all ages uh, kind of tried to push him into his trip and and uh, listen to him and irregardless it was just a a question of a a certain psychological tendency in an individual
0: so, I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. It's taken about a month to make, but I wanted to be concise on my analysis. Still, there's certainly things that I am not touching upon. Specifically, the relation to um old ancient Sumerian text. I am not that well versed in it. I am aware of it. I am not that well versed in it. So, um... Maybe I'll save that for um, Isaac Weissop's analysis of Snow Crash, you know. <laughs> but at least for mine, I think I can leave it off on this. Namshubs, Namshubs are a, at least not how the book poses it. This is how Namshubs are just in general, is that um, they are mind viruses. Sorry if you're hearing a wind here. Hmm the wind's picking up oh no oh no sorry if we are gonna hear a little ding there we go so Namshubs, being a mind virus now what does that sound like to you a mind virus hmm something that in, in the book and also to the book is taking an old term which is from ancient samaria uh enki is seen as a Sumerian god, just like in Egypt, just like in Babylonia. It's hard to sometimes tell if a god is actually a god or a human that they deified, you know. But either way, this person Enki is similar to, if you've ever heard of um, Hermes Trismegistus, it's um, Hermes three times great, uh... He's coined as um being the key mind behind alchemy, pretty much. And um also I believe Zoroastrian, or at least like modern Zoroastrians, uh, modern um alchemists, modern uh I say modern alchemists, modern alchemists, you know the uh the biggest occupation that they have is in the media, <laughs> in which will tie me right in here. So it's something that I've known for about a decade now. And I'm going to do it to you. How about this? I'm going to give you a Namshub. Listen to my voice right now. How the hell do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you, these words, they make sense to you because of the fact that these are words you have said before. Words. Things like that. Like, just take apart everything I just said and put it in word for word. It will start to break down. It's called, um... It's this thing that happens called word wordnesia. Wordnesia. Where you look at a word and you're like, is it really spelt that way? Like kernel. Kernel's a great one. Because it's spelt like colonel, And it's like, but we all know how to pronounce it kernel, you know? Um... Word happens a lot more often than you think. It happens with words like read and read, you know, or like, like words that are literally spelt the same but have two different meanings. Um, well, read and read maybe might not be the best example of that, but there, there's a lot of it in the English language. Um, the funniest word, I believe, in the English language is the root of English language, where... When you're trying to teach a child who's like in first grade, this is what we're doing. We're spelling out a word. This is how we call it. We call it spelling out a word. What is a spell? It has the same exact meaning in the magical sense as it does in the literal, in the, the literary and oral sense. Spelling. It's a thought to action. It is something that I am doing. Or you, uh, I, like the figurative I, am doing to you, and it's it's it, it it is something that I am doing to you. You listening to my podcast right now is me performing spells upon you, literally, like by by definition, like that's the definition in English terminology there, and and also magical senses as well too, and it's that you can you can go real deep into that and and be like well why 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 is public education so important in indoctrination you know stuff like that like because the fact that you can't be indoctrinated in an ideology unless you know how to read and spell it Mm. so goes into the concept of if there was one just universal language that we all spoke we would be way more susceptible to propaganda. Yeah, that the language barrier actually protects us against propaganda. (laughs) That is the main thesis behind Snow Crash. That that the division between languages protects against propaganda. And not only propaganda, like, they, they take propaganda to the point where they call it like an STD where they're making analogies to propaganda and herpes in the book. Like, in the book, it literally, verbatim, they say, like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, like, this mind virus is spread through blood, but it's because of the fact that it's, like, a genetic thing. It's going into mRNA. It's like, oh, boy. Like, it's, there's, they tiptoe around that, like, more than I feel comfortable with. Especially it being the main thesis of the book is that there's like something that happened to our DNA. Like once we like got hit with this NAMSHUB, the whole thesis is that it's like we all spoke Sumerian, and then at one point Enki basically said some words that just freaked everyone out, and like all of a sudden they just forgot how to speak their own language. And everyone was speaking a different language, so they just kind of had to, like, hobble it all together, you know? Um Which the book brings up some interesting points with that, too, where they say that Sumerian, the Sumerian language is, like, inherently way different than any other language because it only uses, like, sin Like, it only uses syllables. It's just, like, a language of, like, each syllable is a word. and won't have a word that has two syllables. So it's, like... Kind of to me it sounded kind of more like how animals speak, right? But like a human communication language form, but more similar to like how animals speak in just a single s a single syllable. Cause you, you animals speak in a single syllable. You don't hear like like even if a bird's going Hoo, do, 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 like they're trying to say a sentence, you know, like they're I, at least I think, you know, like <laughs> at least it seems to me. I mean this is all this is all out in left field, anyways. So, um, to bring it back to legitimacy, here is Noam Chomsky's, which Noam Chomsky was brought up in the book once, and they uh, I caught it. I, it was like in like the middle of the book, and there he was talking to the librarian, and the librarian's like, "Oh, well, in Chomskyanism, like Chomsky, it was like Chomsky-esque like thought or something like that." And I'm like, "Did they just say Chomsky?" And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, all right. Yep, yep, yep. Like, you can't have a book without, you can't have a book talking about linguistics without bringing up that man, you know? <laughs> like, so, universal grammar. This is off of Wikipedia. Universal grammar in modern linguistics is the theory of the genetic component of the language facility, usually credited to Noam Chomsky. The basic pros, prostate of, of UG universal grammar is that there is an innate there are innate constraints on what grammar is and the possibility of the human language to envelop it. Um, I, I I I I've read that for the easiest way I could when linguistic stimuli are received in the course of language acquisition. Children then adopt then adopt specific syntax rules that conform to the UG. So basically, I know it's very wordy. Basically, what he's trying to say is that it's like when you are a very young child, very, very young child, you know that whole thing where it's like babies can communicate to each other in a ways that like it wasn't there a movie from the 90s made about that? Like, um, look who's talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look who's talking. Look who's talking. Oh my god, that's about universal grammar. <laughs> like babies can have this conversation with each other, but then they lose it once they learn their first language. Yeah, like that type of stuff. And that it's like inherent within our genetics, and that even like it, you know, you could believe in like God or evolution or both, and it's it will still apply you know what i mean because like evolutionary speaking yes of course babies need to have some sort of subtle communication to each other or else they would have died off and then in a godly sense i don't need to say that i mean you know you, you understand what i'm implying there universal grammar um it goes into the whole premise of the book the tower of babel and all that oh you know another thing i was meaning to bring up that in the book very interesting point. And, like, you know, this is the last part, so I'm kind of spoiling some parts of the um general thesis, but I'm not spoiling the story. Nowhere in this have I spoiled the story, aside from talking about the raft. And the story is actually, like, just as much worth reading, in my opinion, as the the uh, meat of this stuff as well, too. Also, like I said, I do not agree with that fucking pedophilia chapter. But, um, anyways um yeah like that i'm like come on man just delete that chapter but i know it's like or just turn yt into being an 18 year old what the fuck? i'm like anyways um because i really do kind of like this book um so the one really cool thing that 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 they mentioned was the fact that you know how the whole story of the tower of babel is the tower of babel is trying to reach heaven trying to reach heaven and that like all these people were speaking the same language and that they were able to build a tower that reached to heaven and that then god was like yo you're getting too close time for me to uh to mix up your languages you know like that's how it is in the bible the book poses that um it goes kind of more into like the dead skis dead sea scrolls type of thing where it's like well enki and n i believe it's spelled e-n which is a Sumerian priest king, um, Enki was a Sumerian priest king. Did this mind hack to his people through a meme, through, through basically of a, an oral meme, an oral meme, and which is a namshub, an oral meme. I mean, you can consider most songs namshubs nowadays. <laughs> really, like by definition, yeah, most songs are namshubs, and. I, I, was, I wasn't going to promote this. But I might as well. I made a playlist on Spotify. Check the description. I'm going to put it in there. Um, <laughs> Alright. You just heard that. So. Um, about these towers. Reaching to the heavens. Well in the book. Snow Crash. He makes a. Like Neil Stephenson actually makes a very good. Analysis of that. Where he says. Well maybe these towers weren't. Actually reaching to heaven, but but I believe the correct quote is that it's like heaven was in the tops of the towers. So it's like he's trying to say that these towers had geometrical maps and astrological maps on the top of them. So then, boom! All of a sudden, you you take the Tower of Babel and you're comparing it now to the pyramids. You're comparing it now to ziggurats. You know, you're comparing it now to 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 temples and all these other things that like reach to the heavens even churches like reach to the heavens but have geometrical sacred geometry with inside of it with inside its architecture in order for people on the ground to look at that object and be like well i can see through it and see see the, the the heavens above through it you know are you following me here Like, um, so basically what I was just trying to pose was the fact that the Tower of Babel was an allegory for sacred geometry in architecture, which we see today. We see it in even the most modern skyscrapers (laughs) again, then everything in between. So, uh, yeah. And, and to not forget baby Babel in universal grammar, where that's something that's, possibly embedded within our minds in order to like I work in a warehouse I I I I have a language barrier with many people often and I'm not talking just Spanish and Portuguese I'm talking like African languages and other languages as well too like I don't need to get into too much detail but I don't even if there was refugees from Africa I'd be, I'd actually be accepting of that but um I mean like more like just like to be completely honest a lot of the immigrants are like straightforward immigrants that like I work with and there's a large language barrier and I find it humbling and I kind of like it and it goes into the whole thing with universal grammar how I can communicate with my body I can like I can point to things I can, you know, I, I maybe know a couple words of, of a language or find cognates. I try to remember these things called cognates, which means that it's one word. It's, it's very common in English because, you know, all, all of the, um, inventions that we've like refrigerator, you know, in Spanish is like refrigerator. It's basically that in Spanish, refrigerator or, um, hamburguesa hamburger, you know, in Spanish, like, like stuff like that. Like, um, But also I know leche, you know, like stuff like, you know, but, um, Trabajador. Trabajador is actually the most important word to learn in Spanish, which is kind of fucked up, right? Work. Work. Trabajador is the most used word in Spanish out of people that are not Spanish speaking. (sighs) Goes into the beginning of this episode. (laughs) How pizza drivers would get executed if they didn't deliver their pizzas in under 30 minutes. Ah. Uh, uh, uh. Alright. I, I knew I couldn't talk about namshubs without getting like too... This needs an episode on itself. How language is a spelling. How language is a spelling. Boom. There you go. It's a spelling. It's magic. It's great. It's, it's the only magical forms that humans have is communication and because of that it's going to be manipulated as much as you possibly can so huh social media huh darpa life log <laughs> darpa life log darpa life log darpa life log boom there you go that's actually like one of the most closest things you could say to this book and you know what's really funny is is that darpa life log turned into facebook which then turned into meta verse. Alrighty. Keep it real. And, uh, fuck. <laughs> this book's really crazy. I would, I didn't spoil the plot of the book because I really would enjoy, i not enjoy. I, I, I implore, I implore you to read this book. Like I, aside from that stupid fucking pedo chapter, which actually, if you just pretend YT was 19, that, that chapter would be an amazing chapter Um, and then the mafia thing, like aside from that, like, and even then, like I said, it's kind of like a Martin Scorsese movie, you know, but there's so much in this book. It's so thick. And like in the fact that Facebook decided to go all in, put their chips on the table and fucking take this name really, really makes me eh. Maybe that's why Elon Musk did buy Twitter, so he could get into this game as well, too. Anyways, peace, peace in the Middle East. Talk to you later. Oh, and for um, definition, real quick, too, it would be Enki, not Enki. You know what I mean? Like, uh, hence, we speak a language of many syllables. Enki is a two-syllable word. But I feel like in Samaria, they were just saying Enki. You know, like, you know, like, all fast, you know, just Anki, something like that, you know? Hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is
1: just, and we kill those people. <laughs> Shut, Shut
0: him up. up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account. No version. My superpower
1: is being honest. I'll eat you, Please quiet. We've turned every cell phone and in dot to a microphone. And a high frequency generator receiver. It's not about fooling. It's about keeping those hands in line. You hear the crunch, you're there. <laughs> so basically, um what I was thinking of was um oh fuck. I can't believe you've done that. That would be a bad thing, don't do that.